Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class. Today's Bible class is for our podcast listeners. It's designed to get us into God's Word for about 12 or 13 minutes each day, and in that way, help us to stay strong and even grow in our faith. Because, as we keep emphasizing, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. You know, many people want to believe that they can walk with God and they can be close with God and have a good relationship with God without ever opening up his word, hardly ever, if ever, without ever darkening the doors of a church building that worships God. They think they can just live a pretty casual life as far as their spiritual life is concerned and do whatever they want to do and still be okay with God. Well, as we get into God's word each day here on today's Bible class, we learn that that's not the way that God has designed us to walk with him. So we encourage you, you know people in your life who need to turn their thinking around, who need to change their focus, who need to start thinking about their souls and their relationship with God. They need to get real spiritually. And so share these short studies with them. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, maybe some other technological means. But share with your family members, your friends, work associates, neighbors, anybody and everybody you can. You may help somebody in a very profound way turn their lives around and maybe even get to heaven. What a great blessing that would be for them and what a great blessing it would be for you as well. So please do share. We're continuing in our study and our line of thought asking the question, what should I look for in a church? Again, I've pointed out and I've talked about a number of different reasons or points of motivation in a person's life that might start to move them in the direction of thinking, you know, I need to find a church. I need to get back to church. Well, what do you look for in a church? What characteristics should you look for in determining what church you should belong to? Now, I talked about a number of different reasons that people give for choosing a particular church that they choose. It might be simply where they grew up, where their parents are members, where they have friends or business associates. It might be close to home, easy driving distance, maybe even walking distance. It might be that a lot of people they know are at least are in their general age group, attend that particular church. Or it might be that they simply like the looks of the church building and the grounds and the facilities and so on. Looks pretty, looks modern and attractive. Or it could be that they like a really big church or a really small church. You see the reasons go on and on. And I've pointed out and I've noted and emphasized that in and of themselves and all by themselves, None of these are reasons that are reliable for choosing a church. None of these. Not all by themselves. So the question is, what should I look for in a church? What characteristics should I look for in determining what church I should belong to? And so we noted that the scriptures alone are the authoritative guide as to what to look for in a church. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, the Apostle Paul warned, uh, reminded rather Timothy that from childhood he had been taught the Holy Scriptures. And Paul said, those scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. And then he went on and noted 
that all scripture is really God's very word. And it is given to us from God, by God, through inspired writers whom he guided through the Holy Spirit to write his very word, to guide us, to instruct us, to teach us, and to correct us and reprove us at times as to his will for our lives. God wants us to be with him in heaven for all of eternity, and he has given us his word, the scriptures, the Bible, as the guidebook to guide us through this life and all the way to heaven and eternal life with him. And so Paul says in verse 17 of 2 Timothy chapter 3 that God's word is able to equip us to do all of the good works, to be involved in the kind of lifestyle that God wants us to be involved in in order to be with him in heaven for eternity. In other words, to live a faithful life before God while we're still here in this world, in this physical existence. Now, what characteristics do the scriptures teach us that we ought to look for in the church? We noted several already. It must be the church established, founded by Jesus himself. Jesus said in Matthew 16 and verse 18, upon this rock I will build my church. So we're not talking about denominationalism, we're talking about the Lord's church, the church that Jesus established. We also noted that it must be a church that recognizes and stays true to the scriptures, to God's word, to the Bible as its only authoritative guide. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 again, all scripture is God's very word. And so that is what God has given us to guide us to be the church that he wants us to be. Third, we noted that it must be a church that teaches the biblical method of membership in that church. And that's not to be voted in or voted out or people talk about joining a church. Well, you don't see any of those concepts in God's word guiding to membership in the church that his son established on this earth. But rather in Acts 2 and verse 47, it says the Lord himself adds to the church day by day, those who come to salvation through him. So we must recognize the plan of salvation that Jesus brought to mankind through the gospel. And that is the method or means of him adding us to his church. We must believe in him with all of our heart. In John chapter 8 and verse 24, Jesus said, if, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. We must confess our faith in him openly. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, that everyone who confesses him before men, he will confess their names before the Father in heaven. We must repent of our sins. Jesus said in Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. And we must surrender to him in baptism, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross will cleanse us of the guilt of our sins. Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. Ananias, sent by the Lord to teach Saul of Tarsus, asked Saul, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And it is also understood from the instruction that Jesus gave the apostles to carry out the Great Commission as Jesus would ascend back to heaven, he told them to preach the gospel message to everyone, everywhere, throughout the world. And then he said, he who believes 
and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. And so those who respond to our Lord, the Son of God, our Savior, Jesus, the Christ, in those ways comes to salvation through him. And he adds those who do so to his church. It also must be a church that has a proper name, a biblical name. There are only a few names ascribed to the church in the New Testament scriptures, very few. And we noted that almost all denominational names are not found in the scriptures. They're not there used in designation or identifying the church that our Lord established on this earth. We noted that Jesus is the head of the church. God has appointed him so. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, that the church is his body, those same verses. And also in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, but in Colossians 1 and 18, it also says that in all things pertaining to the church, he is to have preeminence or first place of honor. And so when you look at churches that post names on their church buildings that don't even mention Christ, don't even mention Jesus, don't even refer to him in any kind of direct way, how are those names that give him proper honor, that show him preeminence as to what they stand for and teach and practice? Romans chapter 16 and verse 16 uses one of the very few terms of identity that we find in the New Testament scriptures for the church. It says, greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. A good name, identifying Christ as the head of the church and giving him the first place of honor, even in the name that its members wear. Well, another one, another point. It must be a church that has the right mission. I read about, I see in the news, churches that undertake all kinds of missions in ways, aggressive ways, that I don't necessarily find in the scriptures. The church is not primarily a social organization. It is not primarily a business organization. The church is spiritual in identity. It is the body of Christ. And our main mission, bottom line, is to glorify God. And how do we do that? By teaching his word, his word continuously, incessantly, determined, determinedly, teaching his word everywhere. After all, what did Jesus tell the apostles again in Mark 16 and verse 15 as he was ready to ascend back to heaven and they were to carry on the work that he had begun in bringing the gospel to mankind and establishing the church on this earth? He told them to go into all the world, preach the gospel to all, every creature, 
as Matthew recorded that great commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus' words again, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Yes. Remember that when Paul was apparently at the point of being executed simply for his work of being a preacher of the gospel, an apostle of Jesus Christ, a Christian. He told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 1, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Preach the word, he tells Timothy. Kind of departing instructions to his young apprentice. Teach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So how do you guard against that, Timothy? How do you guard against that? Christians today, the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you keep teaching the word. You teach it accurately. You teach it effectively. You teach it without end. You keep on reaching out with the word of God. The church is not here primarily to be a social entity trying to correct all of the moral ills of mankind and society and culture at large in some kind of political way or some kind of social way. But the church is here to correct the misdirections of mankind, and it would include all of those problems just mentioned by teaching the truth of the gospel of Christ. You see, any culture that becomes Christian in nature is a culture that is elevated, that is made more pure, that is made better. And so we are to teach the word of God continually, without fail, tirelessly, determinedly. Let's pray. Father, help us to be that church. Help us to see, well, help us to brush aside all of the smoke and all of the cobwebs that living in this world kind of puts out there and clouds our mind and our thinking and our vision and help us to see clearly your will for us as your followers to be a part of the church your son established on this earth, to see it with a clear vision as to what we're to be and what we're to push forward doing, helping people come to salvation through the gospel of Christ. Encourage us in this, Father. Guide us, direct us, and strengthen us, we pray. Father, gracious Father, please forgive us. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.